Good morning. Thank you, Jenny. Praise God. Somebody prayed for each one of us. And praise God we're here this morning. Uh, Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you that someone is praying for us, Lord. Praise God that there are saints that are faithful, that pray for those who are lost and away from you. And we pray this morning, Lord, that if there's someone here in our midst that doesn't know you, that is away from you, Lord, that they would come home today. And we pray that you would bless the reading of your word and your message in your name. Amen. I hope we have our um, our vacationers watching. I'm glad that I hope Randy heard that from Dean. But to defend Dean, Dean, of course, knows that Randy is so important, and we couldn't do anything without him. It would be a shame. So, Randy, we love you. Adel, we love you. Sylvia, all the gang, we love you. Let's go to John chapter 5, starting in verse 1. John chapter 5, verse 1, we're going to read about a man. This morning, John chapter five, verse one, verse one says, after these things, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there in Jerusalem, by the sheep gate, a pool, which is called in Hebrew, Bethesda, having five porticos. In these lay a multitude of those who were sick, blind, lame, and withered, waiting for the moving of the waters. For an angel of the Lord went down at certain seasons into the pool and stirred up the water. Whoever then first, after the stirring of the water, stepped in was made well from whatever disease with which he was afflicted. A man was there who had been ill for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, Do you wish to get well? The sick man answered him, Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up, but while I am coming, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your pallet, and walk. Immediately the man became well and picked up his pallet and began to walk. Now it was the Sabbath on that day. So the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, It is the Sabbath, and it is not permissible for you to carry your pallet. But he answered them, He who made me well was the one who said to me, Pick up your pallet and walk. They asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Pick up your pallet and walk? But the man who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had slipped away while there was a crowd in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, Behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore, so that nothing worse happens to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Hope. I read something by a, a 
very famous man, Bill Gates. And I hope that there's not a feeling that he has about Sunday from anybody in this room today, but he says, I, just in terms of allocation of time and resources, religion is not very efficient. There's a lot more I could be doing on a Sunday morning. I hope there's no one here that says there's a lot more you can be doing on a Sunday morning. I pray that everybody here says that in their heart that they're here to see and hear from the Lord. This is not a waste of time. And we pray for people who think it is. And this is a story about life. It's a story about a man. And when I think about this man, I think about like a dog. You know how a dog just chases We've seen it before. Some of us, he chases his tail around. And that's kind of like a maybe a stupid dog. <laughs> but it's sometimes that will happen. And if you've seen it, it's kind of a comical scene where he's chasing his tail and he's chasing it around in circles. And he's going around. And he's chasing and chasing and chasing. And he's probably dizzy. And I kind of think of this man as similar to that because I bet he was kind of excited at one point, just like the dog was excited at one point. He was excited about the tail. And I think this man was excited because it says he was 38 years in this condition. And it says that and he was sitting at the pool with many who were lame and sick and blind. The sick. They were hurting. People without hope. And I think there was a time when he probably went to some doctors or maybe he went to Um, some people who possibly promised deliverance for him. And then they didn't fulfill that promise. And then maybe somebody came along and said, "I, I heard about a pool where there's a stirring of the water and people are getting healed. And I kind of can see him on a certain day whenever he first went there that he, um, He was excited that first day, sitting at the pool, waiting for the stirring of the water. But he's lame. So he's sitting there and he's thinking, great, maybe now I can be healed. And he sits there and he sits there. And then all of a sudden the pool stirs up and he sees the the, the suds and, and he sees that, wow, there's a stirring and there's a frenzy in the place. The protocols are probably light up. The people are lit up. He's not the only one there. So everybody's excited. And what do you think they're doing? They're running over each other to get into the pool because it says one person. And he's lame. He can't walk. And that's why he tells Jesus, as you remember, the man said to him, to Jesus, that I don't have anybody to take me to the pool. I can't walk. Every time I try to get to the pool, somebody runs ahead of me. So he's looking for a godly man, maybe a person who's strong, who will lift him up and who's fast. Quick, strong, fast. When he sees us during a pool, pick him up, run to the pool. Who's strong, maybe beat the other people out of the way because he has enough strength. Right. Raj. Somebody like our brother Roger. And I actually was thinking about Roger, and I was thinking, he wishes he had a man like Roger. Because Roger's a godly man who would have actually stayed with him. 
and lifted him up and took him to the pool when the stirring of the water was there because he's a godly man. But he didn't have that. He stood there. He waited and waited and waited just like the dog chasing his tail. Circling and circling and every day going around in circles and circles and circles. And all of a sudden what happens is the dog catches the tail and bites it. And what happens? It's painful. And I believe that when Jesus came that day, this man was in pain now. He had been there for a while. He had seen people get healed. And isn't it like our God that he comes to meet us when we're at a turning point in our lives? When we're at the point where we want to give up. And I think this man was ready to give up. He couldn't see any option, any hope. He probably thought he would live the rest of his days there. And you think about our God, and I I love thinking about the fact that this man didn't go looking for Jesus. He didn't say, can you bring Jesus? He didn't even know Jesus, as the passage mentions. He didn't even know Jesus. It says Jesus came looking for him. I read a verse that I really, really loved in Isaiah. It says that I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. I was found by those who did not seek me. Has he met you today? He wants to meet you. We're going to talk about four points today. One point is going to be Jesus sees our true condition. Second point is he wants to know. He wants to know, do you want to get well? Then third point is what must we do? And then the last point is do not sin anymore. Stop sinning. Jesus sees our condition. Isn't it great that Christ's vision is different? His vision is different. John 5, 6 says when Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been a long time in that condition, he said to him, do you wish to get well? It says that he saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been there for a long time. He sees our condition. Matthew 9:36 says, seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed, dispirited, like sheep without a shepherd. John 2:25 says that he did not need man's testimony about man. For he knew what was in man. He's not fooled by our outside presentations. He's not fooled by anything. He sees us. And that's the first point. Jesus sees us. And thank God right now, everybody out here and everybody in the world, he sees our true condition. He sees where we are and where we're not. He sees us if we have a relationship with him. Or if we don't, he knows our condition. He knows us. We don't know us, but he knows us. And thank God, isn't it great that he sees us? Isn't it great that we have a God, a creator who loves us and desires to have a relationship with us? And he knows us. Because what would it be like if he didn't know us? 
And he really didn't know who had a relationship with him or not. If he went by pretense, if he went by just our presentation, and some of us are good at presentation. I know Jesus. We talk and walk and think and speak and go through the motions like we know him. He says, I know you, though. And just think, if we could fool him, how many people would actually be fooled all the way up to heaven's gates? But Jesus knows us. He sees us. He sees our true condition. It says, when he approached Jerusalem in Luke 19:41, he saw the city and he wept over it. Why? Because he saw the true condition of the city. He knew the hearts. He knows each one of our hearts. He knows my heart up here right now. And he knows each one of your hearts right now. And he knows our condition. And he knew this man's condition. He knew this man was hopeless. He knew all about the protocol where people were living there and hanging out there looking for help. Hopeless. He knew. He knew about each one of their conditions. But he went to this man. It says he went to him. And, you know, when you look at this, you understand that Jesus in this chapter only in this reference of Scripture, the first 15 verses, there's three times that Jesus speaks to this man. Look at the things that Jesus said. Let's look at just exactly what Jesus said. He knew the condition and he said the first thing he said to this man was, do you want to get well? He didn't beat around the bush. He didn't have this presentation first to say, well, you know, let me get closer to you and get to know you first. Let me find out about the family. Let me ask all these questions so I can have you open up so I can know who you are. He says, no, I already know you who you are. I already know where you've been. I know where you're going. Do you want to get well? That's a question. I don't have to play any games. And he doesn't. He loves us too much to play with words. No words were wasted. Do you want to get well? That's the first statement out of his mouth. Do you want to get well? And every time he comes to us, seeing our true condition, he asks the same question. Do you want to get well? Do you? He says, I see you. I know you. I know where you are. Now, the question is, do you want to get well? And then the next thing that Jesus says, he says, get up. Take up your pallet and walk. That was the next statement that Jesus made to this man. And then third statement was, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. What does that tell us? Three verses. One, it says, he's interested. Do you want to get well? Do we want to get well? He sees our condition. Do you really want to get well? Then he says, get up. Now, he told him to get up, but he doesn't tell us to get up. He tells us to get saved. He tells us to get right with him. He tells us to get on our knees and repent. 
and ask him to come into our lives and come to his in, in our hearts. He wants to save us. But I love the fact that there was no problem with language there. Nothing hard to understand was there. I was talking to a gentleman yesterday. And he didn't understand me because he spoke a different language. And I was trying to speak as simply as I could. And I could tell from his responses that he didn't get it. Jesus spoke clearly. Do you want to get well? Why did he ask the question? Because he saw his condition. And he sees you and my, our condition right now today. He sees it. It's not something that's confusing to him. And it's the great question. And it says, I was reading a writer who says that he asked the question for a couple of different reasons. One of the reasons was he wanted to offer him a glimmer of hope. Why would you ask a person, do you want to get well, if you can't help them get well? Why? Well, he was interested. He wanted to give him a glimmer of hope. And secondly, Jesus wanted the man to see and get his eyes off the pool and get his eyes on Jesus. Stop looking over at the pool. Do you want to get well? Look at me. I was thinking about and reading a story about a swimmer who was watching a drowning man. And I I would never want to be in a situation to watch a drowning man because I'm not a great swimmer. And that would be disastrous to see somebody out there going under. It was he was watching him and the guy went under once. And the crowd is around because he's a lifeguard saying, what are you doing? Go out and rescue him. And the guy just sitting there, just kind of arms folded. And he goes down a second time. And they're panicking at this point. But it's kind of interesting they're panicking, but nobody goes out. Nobody else goes out. So they look at him saying, why don't you go out and save him? And they don't. He goes down a third time. And then the man gets up, kind of takes off his little outfit, I guess. And jumps in and swims out and rescues the man. And they said, why? And he said, I had to wait till he could do nothing himself till he was helpless. Jesus came to this man at one point. He saw his condition and he came when he was helpless. Do you realize today you're helpless? Have you gotten to that point where you really realize that you're helpless today? That's a critical point to get to. Until we get to a point where we're really helpless, we really fight the person who's trying to rescue us. We reject the rescue mission. Because we think, I'm going down, but I can handle it. I'm going down, but, you know, maybe... Yeah, I'll get enough strength to, to, to get my bearings again. But after that third time going down, it kind of hits you. I'm in trouble. I'm helpless. Can somebody come rescue me? And when Jesus met this man, he was limp. He didn't fight Jesus. He didn't discuss with Jesus. He said, I want to get well, but there's nobody to take me to the pool. I'm helpless. I have no way of getting saved. None. Bankrupt. I'm done. 
It's over. It's no use. She said, that's why I came. That's why I came. Now get up. And you remember the answer, how he says he doesn't have any man to help. He says that somebody probably, somebody actually gets in and steps in before him. He probably felt like, I think, King Solomon. Remember King Solomon in Ecclesiastics? It says in Ecclesiastes 2.11, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. He realized, it's, I've toiled for nothing. And this man was sitting there, I've waited for nothing. I lived my life for nothing. There's no hope. Praise God for a Savior that sees our condition and responds by giving us hope. Praise God for that. Praise God we have a God that's really, truly interested in our condition and wants to save us and rescue us. Do you need hope today? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? And the second point was, what, what must we do? Well, the first thing we must do, as he says, is arise. Get up. He says, get up. Get up because it's impossible for you to get up, isn't it? And this man, in his condition, he knew it was impossible to get up. And it's kind of interesting. He probably looked at Jesus and said, what do you mean, get up? I've been trying to get up. For 38 years, I've been trying to get up. And I can't get up. He says, get up. I give you the power to get up. I'm giving you a new life so you can get up. I'm healing your heart so you can get up. I'm changing your life so you can get up. So get up. Anybody want to get up today? He says, Arise. Get up. I can get you up. I can help you get up. And how? It says, Jesus says in 524. Hope that's Jesus calling. (laughs) I tell you the truth. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. He who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He says, do you believe? If you believe, get up. Get up. And John, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We know that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. He said, arise, confess, forsake. And I like how he says, get up. And I like how he says, arise. And that's just a choice that each one of us has. We're not forced to do that. And he also says, take up your pallet. And it's interesting when you think about the life that we are living now 
or the life we were living before Christ. We needed the pallet, didn't we? The pallet is where we laid down. Where we rested. What did he tell him? He says, take up your pallet. When we start to follow Jesus, we don't need the pallet, do we? Unless we want to plan to go back to it. Back to the old life. And I want to really... Everybody to understand this. It's very important to understand. Jesus didn't just say arise. He didn't just say arise and take up your pallet and walk. He told him to go and sin no more too. So when he says to him, take up your pallet, he's saying pick up that weight. Pick up that thing that you rested on. Pick up that thing that you needed before I came into your life and put it away. And how many of us have our pallet laid back at the portal just in case we need to go back to that old life? He says, you don't need the pallet anymore. Pick it up. Leave this place. How many of us have left the pallet there? Left it there. And we've actually gone back and we're laying on the pallet, crippled again by the sin that entangled us before he came and rescued us. Understand this point today because it's real important. When Jesus told him to arise, he said, take your pallet up and take it over here and put it in the dumpster because you don't need it anymore. How many of us took the pallet and went home with it and laid it down just in case we needed it again? Just in case we wanted to go back to that old life? Just in case the sin started to be appealing again and we wanted to go back to it? Just in case we're not satisfied with the walk? We're not comfortable with the walk. And we went back. Jesus says in Luke 9, 62, Jesus said to them, no one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of heaven. One of our memory verses, 10, Hebrews 10, 38 says, but my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back. I will not be pleased with him. Where's the pallet? Where's the old life? Did we put it away? Walk. It's the last point of what Jesus told him to do. He says, don't expect to be carried if you are made whole. Walk. Romans 6, 4 says, therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in a newness of life. Christ wants to give us a new life. He wants to give us a new life, but we must walk. Don't expect to be carried. And one of the problems sometimes when we, we talk about Christianity, people, when we offer 
them a decision between heaven and hell. We make it sound like all you have to do is just pray the prayer, and then you'll get saved, and then you'll go to heaven, and then you can do what you want. And that's not Christianity, guys. It says take up your pallet. Take up the old life and throw it away. And then walk. You expect to be carried? No. It's not an easy walk. You have to forsake this world. We have to deny ourselves. Don't we? The walk of a Christian. Are we walking today? John, or third, 3 John 1, 4 says, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. He said, I have no better joy, no greater joy than see my children walking in the truth faithfully. And we'll go back to the first point. I see you. He sees us. He sees if we're really walking. He sees if we know him. He sees our true condition. Nothing is hidden from him. And he sees those who have claimed him as Lord and Savior and say that they're born again, that they're They've been bought by a price. That they're living a life. And he says, I see you. And he says, I know if you're truly walking. Are we walking today? I walk with Ado and he's taught me how to walk. Some of you will laugh about it, but walking with him is different. It's not even normal. And I say that to you, Ado. I hope you're listening. My shins hurt. For 30 plus days walking with him. Hurt. Pain. It was painful walking because his pace is different. His pace is different. And God's pace for us is different. We can't walk the way we want to walk. He calls it when I'm walking with him. He sees people and we're walking along and we're running almost. And he says there, we're, we don't want a promenade, Ron. Promenade? What do you mean promenade? Now I know the word and it's in my mind. I'm walking by myself and I'm thinking, no promenade, no promenade, no promenade. So I can't promenade. That means walking slow. I don't walk slow. I can't. He made it clear to me. You came here to walk and there's a purpose in our walking. And the purpose is that we're going to get what we, God intends us to forget, to exercise, to condition your body, your heart. I have a stand in my heart. He says, I want you to be strong. So I don't promenade. No promenade, I say. No promenade. No promenade. And God does want us to promenade. He wants us to walk upright. And... You know, I was walking, and we saw this person, and I forget it was a woman or a man, but they had this little dog. It was a little tiny, a little... <laughs> I was going to say mutt, but <laughs> if you guys like dogs, then I'm in trouble. But it was a tiny dog, and the, the owner was the master. And just look and visualize that the master is with us when we walk. And he's pulling us and saying, walk with me. Walk with me. Well, this dog, this little, you know, rat dog. (laughs) Roger said it. (laughs) 
But it was a little dog, and he had, she had, or he had the, the rope around their neck, and he's sitting down, and the master is wanting to walk. It's like, well, can we go? And he's sitting down just on his little bottom. And tugging and tugging and tugging, and then all of a sudden, he's begrudgingly walking. And then as we make our laps as fast as we're going, we see him, and he's just, just stammering away. He's doing actually well. But he had to be pulled. Is that the kind of walk we're on? Is that the kind of walk we want to be on? I don't want to be on a walk like that. That is not even promenade. That's pre-promenade. They're not even promenading at that point. He's just sitting, rebelling against the will of God. God says, get up and walk. And we say, nope, don't want to. And I think about those in the, the Israelites. And it says in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. Can you get a grip on that? If you know the story of the Israelites in Egypt, do you know they groaned for the master to come save them? They asked, they begged God to come rescue them. They were enslaved, they were abused. And now, after being rescued, God says, now it's time for you to walk. And they say, no, we want a promenade. We want to go back because that was a great life. I'm telling you, if you have your mat still in your house, throw it away. You can't go back. We can't go back to that life. No promenade. Not acceptable. It's not acceptable, is it? And the last point is do not sin anymore. Clear. Jesus told him, the reason that you were in the condition you were in is because of sin. It's clear in that verse that your condition is because of sin. And I rescued you from it. What's the promise of God? The promise of God is in Revelations and what we have to look forward to. We should not promenade. Why? Because it says... In Revelations, it says, behold, the tabernacle of God is among us. This is the promise that God says for each one of us that is walking, that is arisen, that has stood up and said, I give Jesus my life. I ask him into my life. Change my heart. Come into my heart and change me. Rescue me. And I've taken up my palate and I throw it away. And now I'm walking with you. Where are we going? It says, we will dwell among, he shall dwell among us. We are headed for heaven, guys. For paradise. We don't want to promenade in the paradise. I don't. No promenade in paradise. I want to run to the gates of paradise. Why? We'll see him face to face. And it says he shall wipe away every tear. You have any tears? I have tears. He said, I'm going to wipe them away. And there'll be no longer any death. No longer any death. Gone. Defeated. No mourning. No crying. No pain. Why shouldn't we promenade? 
Look at where we're going. Look at where the world is going and look at where we're going. We need to walk. And we'll call it the Edel Walk. And I mean it fast, clean. And then we'll be effective. Spurgeon said something about backsliding. He says, tell me where you lost the company of Christ, and I will tell you most likely the place for you to find him again. Did you lose the company of Christ by forgetting prayer and becoming slack in your devotion? Have you lost Christ in the closet? Then you will find him there. Do you lose Christ? Did you lose Christ through some sin? then you will find him in no other way but by giving up the sin and seeking the Holy Spirit to mortify the member in which the lust doth dwell. Did you lose Christ by neglecting the scriptures? Then you must find him in the scriptures. Where you lost him, you will find him. It's a true saying. Look for the thing where you dropped it, for it is there. Are we going to listen to God? You know what's great about God is he's interested in us. Like I said, do we really understand that Christ's vision is clear? That he sees us. And thank God he sees me. Can you say that this morning? Thank God he sees your true condition. Thank God he sees where we are today. And he saw where this man was and he came to him. Is he coming to somebody today and saying, arise, take me into your heart so I can change you? Is he saying that today? You notice what the man did. It says he, the man got up, picked up his pallet, and walked. It doesn't say the man thought about it and considered the consequences of it. Pallet's kind of heavy. My legs really don't work. I don't really know if I can walk. I don't see that in the verse. Do you guys see that? I don't see that. I just see he's, he got up, took his pallet, and he walked. So what did he do? He obeyed God. He did exactly what God said. And God says if you confess... If you confess, confess, repent, said, I'll save you. I'll rescue you. I'll change your life. I come to you today and I say to you, get up. Walk. And for us that know him, what do you think he's saying? He's saying, walk. What are you doing? Where's your palate? Where is it? Where is that, that old life? Are you going back to it? I was reading something by a gentleman. I don't even know if it was, you know, who it was. I think it was actually Spurgeon. He says nine out of ten people who actually go and are just far gone into sin and come back were never saved. They want to rededicate their life and they never were dedicated. They were never walking. They were never right because they didn't have the power of Christ in their life. 
The power makes us walk. The power of Christ makes you walk. The love of Christ makes you walk. I love you, God, for what you've done to me. So I have to walk. And if I'm not walking, what is the Lord telling me? Is he telling us something today? Are we walking? He's interested. He's interested. He sees our true condition today. And thank God for that. He sees you. He sees me. What does he want you to do? Will you respond? Will you respond? And do what he asks you to do. The Father's love is incredible that he would just do what he does for us. That we put up with us as he puts up with us. Our denials, our backsliding, our walking away from him. And I'll end with a story that I just read. And it was a, it was a story of a Spanish story of a father and a son who had become estranged. And I guess the son kind of ran away and the father sent, he was upset. So he sent off for him and he searched for him for months. Finally, a last desperate effort to find him, the father put an ad in the Madrid newspaper. The ad read, Dear Paco, Paco, meet me in the front of this newspaper office at noon on Saturday. All is forgiven. I love you, your father. Paco said, Paco, I love you. Can you meet me in front of the newspaper office at noon? Because I love you and I forgive you. Since on Saturday, 800 Pacos showed up. 800 Pacos showed up. Why? Because there was a lot of cheap people out there looking for forgiveness from their father. And there's a lot of people out that need forgiveness from the father. And the great thing about it is he says, do you want to be made whole? I'm willing. Say yes. Let's pray. Dear Father, we, we, just, we just love you, Lord. And I'm so happy, Lord, that you see our true condition. You see my condition. You see where I really am. You see where my relationships are. You see those things that maybe I don't want everybody in the world to see. You see it all. And everybody in this room must come to an understanding that you see them. Everything. Nothing is hidden. Help us stop hiding from you. Help us stop denying you. And that if there's anything in our lives that's not right, we'll get on our knees and repent. And we pray that there's a Paco here today. He says, meet me at noon. He's like, is there anybody here that the Lord, he's here. He says, do you want to be made whole? Do you want to be made well? He says, I see your condition. I really see it. I see your hopelessness. I see your need of a Savior. I see 
your condition without me. And I want to rescue you. I want to give you a life. I want to save you. If there's anybody in here today, please respond like this man and obey the Savior and come to him and repent and invite him into your heart and leave these doors changed. We thank you, Lord, and we love you in your name. Amen.